Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of July 3rd, and happy 4th of July in America. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Saturday night is my partner, Jim Allen. How's it going, dude? It's going well, um, other than having uh, uh, heat heat issues. It was nice and sticky today, and then it started raining and cooled off. So disappointed. Ah, ah, yeah. Well, no, my heat. I've been on in the air conditioning all day. I just skipped my workout this morning. And... Oh no, it's nice and cool outside right now. You, but it's raining. Yeah, well, that uh, since I do my weight training outdoors, that's kind of puts a. Unless it's like yesterday when it was raining, because I do my, um, I do all my stuff under a tree. Mm-hmm. So if it's not raining too hard, it's no problem. But if it's otherwise miserable, I'll I'll just stay indoors. You don't you don't do any of those hammock workouts, do you? <laughs> Under a tree sounds like you're taking a nap outside. <laughs> no, you're no, actually no, working. No, no, okay, no. I am actually working out okay. to the amusement of the residents of Koenji. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, hopefully they don't throw a tantrum. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it never today. happened. Never happened in Japan. <laughs> okay although right, I, under, I understand uh foreign players are susceptible to that kind of thing foreigners are susceptible i learned from the broadcast today so. from the broadcast today i don't know if we'll get into trevor bauer's tantrum today or not but uh, we'll see it might come up anyway on this week's show we've got chats with adam walker and now coach zealous wheeler both of the giants we're going to be talking about the notion of mm. the pitch clock that might come to npb we're going to go rocking with Roki, and we've got our top June performers and some high heat. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. So I went to Tokyo Dome on June 14th, and ahead of time, I, I emailed Zealous Wheeler. He's coaching now with the Giants. Uh, this is his first year after quote-unquote retirement i think he still wants to play i don't think <laughs> i mean i don't know i don't know how much he'd been to tokyo dome to see the giants this season but have you seen zealous because he's always got a bat in his hand <laughs> oh i have seen him i wasn't able to talk to him because he didn't come close to where the camera seats are <laughs> right he didn't come within he didn't come within shouting distance okay well i've I've seen him and always has a bat he's swinging it on the side he's talking to people and he'll take a couple swings some practice swings and i mean yeah that's what that's what prompted one of the questions but anyway uh and i also talked to adam walker and i took the video for adam walker and everything was going fine and he was looking good he was talking well and then halfway through the my ipod shut down with the video so i didn't even give it to jim because i didn't think okay we'll put up half of half an interview on the on the, on the youtube channel that was half of adam walker is yeah, the top half of the bottom half and Left i didn't want right. jim to have to edit it so i just kind of ate that one so we'll get some video for you again sometime soon here i will try my best but uh, that's what happened with that but adam is in his second year with the giants and you know, he had a pretty good season last year and earned a second contract, which is big. And and basically, uh, they plucked him out of indie ball following two consecutive seasons as an MVP in the Independent American Association. And he had made the All-Star game last season. And, you know, he, he had a highlight game on June 7th at Kilwaseta Dome yeah, against Oryx. And he had a five for five game and could have 
tried to gamble, uh, run on a single and try to get the second, make it a double and, and get the cycle and complete the cycle. But he thought better of it, thought of the team first and and you know stayed at first base. And he's hitting close to 300 this season in 40 plus games. And he's really a sweetheart of a guy. It was nice to talk to Zealous as well. So let's take a listen to these two guys because it was really fun. All right, we're here with Zealous Wheeler, who is a hitting coach or offensive coordinator. What do you want to call yourself, or what do you, what do you call yourself? Well, 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 they call me as an assistant to the GM, you know, but, <laughs> but you know, it's advisory, it's advisory. Uh, yes. Okay, advisor, hitting, guys. hitting uh, advisor. Hitting advisor, all right. The book says uh, hitting coordinator, but I'm, I'm glad to see you with the Giants still, and uh, welcome to the show again after uh-huh. all these years. Uh-huh. Appreciate it, I appreciate it. All right, so you're a coach. How on earth did this happen? I know, I guess when you play for so long, you know. But I like baseball, man. That's all my, my whole goal was to coach when I finish. So I got an opportunity to coach and I took it. How is the transition from player to coach? Oh, it's not bad. It's not bad. I really don't coach much because, you know, I'm not part of, officially part of the staff, but, mm-hmm. you know, I just help the guys on the field, off the field, in the clubhouse, you know, just around, keep them sane. I know, yeah. Take care of your mentals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as Marshawn Lynch always tells us. I mean, that's a big part of the game we're missing. Not much mental part going on, but I'm here around for that. Why the Giants? I mean, the opportunity rose for the Giants, the coach, and it's a good spot, you know. I like it, so hopefully I can be here for a while and let's see what happens. Okay. Now, uh, what are the meetings like for you, or do you get to participate in those meetings? Yeah, I'm in a meeting. Okay. Yeah. So how much are you able to speak up when they're having these meetings? I can, but, you know, I'm shy. I don't, <laughs> I really don't, I'm not really, sh- I'm shy a little bit, but I don't have a voice to say anything right, right now. Right, right, right. So I'm there learning Japanese, learning everything. I don't have a translator, so. I see. All right. So I, I see you one-on-one sometimes with some of the players. Uh, what are you trying to do with them as well? Oh, we're speaking nice because I know the guys in and out. I know those guys, so. They understand me, I understand them. So we do the best we can and, you know, try to play hard, win games. Right. Now, when you were playing, how much did you kind of evaluate what your teammates were doing? Every day. <laughs> Every day I evaluate my teammates. You know, I care more about my teammates than what I did, honestly. Mm-hmm. And how? How did you evaluate them? What were the kinds of things that you thought about and saw? How they prepare for the game, how they show up day in and day out, you know? Where they, where they at mentally. And, no, just try to talk and see if everything okay. Now, how much uh, were you able to talk to them and give them advice when you were playing? Oh, a lot, a lot. You know, yeah, I, I see the game. I see the game deep, baseball. So whatever they need, I'm here to help. And, you know, vice versa. If I need some, I help. I ask the guys. You can learn from veterans. You can learn from young guys. Mm-hmm. You can learn from your coaches. Just have to watch. Now, what things are you looking to improve on as a, you know in this role as a coach? Ah, just getting the guys to be prepared every day, to perform at a high level every day. That's my goal, you know, and encourage these guys to come in every day and play and be successful. Which is quite a challenge, right? It's a big challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, everybody thinks, hey man, they're playing baseball, it's fun. No, it's and, a big challenge. And, and I always say, man, it's fun in high school because you're just out there running around. This is chess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At a yeah. very high level. Yes, yes, and it's... 140, 160 games per year plus spring training, and it, it takes a toll on everything. So you need people around to help. Now let's talk about your transition from uh, the Eagles to the Giants. 
uh, what brought that about because we never got to talk to you because it was COVID. Right, right, <laughs> right. I don't know, it was just one of those things where they moved on, you know, they brought in a couple other foreigners and I've been there for a while and, you know, the organization went a different route. Which my transaction here wasn't bad because I knew everybody already. So I fit right in and here we are today. Now you've got some players on this team, a lot of young hitters uh -huh. who, for instance, Akihiro is a really tall guy who uh -huh. it seemed like when he came in, he was he had a lot of movement and things pre-swing and now that's all quieted down. Well, of course, of course, he's 19 years old when he come in. So he, he, he still right now doesn't know the, all details of the game, but he's a great player. And a, but more importantly, he's an awesome kid. Uh, he's happy to play the game and you know you rarely see him angry which is, which is a good thing yeah that's, it's good to keep you cool yeah uh, what kinds of things do you tell i mean he, he's just one guy but there, there are lots of young players what kinds of things do you try to work with them and get them to concentrate on uh, i mean for personally me not too much you know just just go out there and play man but you need something you ask you know i'm not trying to hear and take all the credit and that it's your your career to stay focused and play I like that. I like that. What about uh, Okamoto? Now, he's kind of a veteran guy, oh. and he did well at the WBC, obviously. He's kind of a hidden guy, right? Because I think a lot of teams, a lot of people don't put him on the same level as a Murakami or somebody like that. I don't know why. It's just the perspective, you know. Yes, he can hear, but he's an awesome guy. Uh, what What do you see in his development this year? Oh, yeah, he must have developed. He hit 30 home runs with 100 every year. And just, just, just being focused in the game, you know. You know, we lose our wave. We go in the wave sometimes, you know. When you're not hitting, you play defense bad. You don't play defense good, you hit bad. So it's one of those things you just stay cool, even out, and he'll be fine. What about uh, Hayata Sakamoto? He had kind of a rough start, and now he's getting back into it. Oh, he's a veteran, you know. There ain't much you can say about him. He has all the records. He's been here a while. He knows how to do it. Sure. All right, so last question. How much do you really want to grab a bat and get back out there and take some swings in a game? 1,000% I want to play. <laughs> and I know I can, but, you know, it's the next chapter in life, and let's see what happens. All right, well, we always appreciate talking yeah. to you, brother. Appreciate it. Good seeing you. Thanks you for man. the time. Thank you. All right, we're here with Adam Walker of the Yomiuri Giants. Thank you very much for taking some time with us today. Yeah, of course. Oh, our pleasure, our pleasure. So um, tell me about how you reflect on last season because you came in and had, a, I guess, I don't know, it was a good season, yeah. but there were some ups and some downs uh -huh. as well, and then you guys yeah. didn't have a very good run in terms of the team. Yeah, um, I mean, being able to come in, uh, show the blade for spring training due to COVID restrictions and... Uh, just between that and kind of you know, starting the year on the first team, which I was excited about, uh, and taking that and becoming an all-star and being able to play in that. Uh, overall, I mean, I guess it was a pretty good year considering uh, you know where I, where I started. So I was happy. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't we couldn't make a run there at the end um, for the team. But, uh, you know, hopefully we can build up that this year and, and get to where we want to be. So uh, overall, last year was, it was it was it was fun, and I mean, overall I thought it went pretty well. But you know, stuff to grow from, and hope try to for myself and the team just grow from it and, and get better this year. Yeah, one of my phrases that our listeners have heard for for more than a decade now is losing is learning. Yeah, and you just have to take away the lesson and then get better. Yeah, so, yeah. definitely. So a lot of guys. Uh, 
come in to Japan and play with a lot of purpose or various purposes. Mm. What was your purpose when you came to Japan? Um, I mean, the past couple of years, it's really just try to just let's see how good at baseball I can be. Um, it's kind of just a personal thing, just uh, try to reach my, my fullest potential that I think is in there. Uh, you know, I was almost done with baseball, but I just kind of kept going and had some good years of just trying to build off of it. And, now I'm here, um, and uh, just trying to keep growing and, and see how see how good I can be. Really, that's the, the biggest thing. I try to come in day in day out and, and just get better. All right, now wait up, wait up, wait up a second. You threw a you threw a backdoor slider right there. What do you mean you're almost done with baseball? Uh, I mean, it's 2019. I mean, I was playing in, independent Indy ball, League, yeah. and uh, I mean, one I wasn't doing very well. So it was just it's a lot of crazy stuff that kind of happened that year and you kind of next thing you know you're on a you got an eight-hour bus trip and the bus breaks down and it turns into 13 hours and it, you're just kind of like do i want to keep doing this mm. so uh you know things like that and you're kind of questioning uh you know if i but ended up kind of turning around uh, i was actually hurt a little bit and I, I just I couldn't I couldn't go out like that, so I said, you know, I'm gonna give it one more year. One MVP. I'm like That was in the like, indie league. Yeah. Right. And then uh, so I had to had to come back again, did it again, one MVP in uh, twenty one and then next thing you know I got a call and asked me to come here. So uh, it's it's kinda crazy the just the change from 2019 that now I'm here. Awesome. Um, and I noticed like maybe a handful of seasons in AAA. You mm-hmm. played that high, had a high, career high in the minors of like 31 home runs. Yep. Yeah, yeah, career high 31. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was with the Red Twins and made it from rookie ball up to AAA. And uh, was on the 40 man and uh, one MVP in my team, but didn't, didn't get the call that year. Been bouncing around. It's been it's been crazy ever since then. But, but now you're here, and and what I see is, I mean, I, I have to imagine you never really played in this kind of environment oh, in your professional career. Like the NPD is a different animal. Yeah, <laughs> How's uh, it been? Yeah, it's been it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, come out to like Tokyo Dome right now, and I mean, then I first got here, and I showed up late, and I ended up coming come to spring training and exhibition game, and next year you know, this place is kind of packed my first spring training game and uh, I'm just like this is and booing you if you mess up yeah <laughs> in a spring training game. Uh, but I mean overall it's, it's just it's been fun I mean it's just it's, it's exciting to come out and just kind of play in front of the crowds that are passionate about the game and um, so it's it's, it's, it's really just been a lot of fun for me. Well, I think, yeah, you, what's it, 10 days ago in Osaka? You oh, had yeah. Your big game there. <laughs> yeah. and, and it looked like that was maybe the, the most fun you've had in quite a long time in a baseball game. How was it? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you get five hits, you're, you're, you're happy. <laughs> uh, you know, add a homer in there. And I, I saw, mean, yeah, I saw you stutter on the bases to going, thinking about going for that cycle. Uh, Which, yeah, I mean, well, he picked the ball up and he wasn't really paying attention to me so i was like maybe i can get second but the second baseman started screaming and so he's oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah well yeah i saw the hero interview too so that was all good yeah i know what happened you know the media and the fans talk about things all the time as you know so you get praise when you do well 
and they look at the, the results only. But mm-hmm. one of the things the fans have talked about and the media has talked about is defense and left field for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So what are you working on in terms of improving that area? the biggest thing um, yeah I mean so yeah you know right now just, I just try to come out every day and continue to get my work in so um, I haven't played much outfield this year but uh, I mean yeah if I do get the coach wants me out there and I need to hold position so I'll just go out there and play and be ready. Yeah, be ready. That's all you so, can do. Yeah, just got to be ready. Now, I'm kind of old schoolish, so, like, people don't make a big deal of driving in runs, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's so important to be able to, even if there's nobody out in the runner on third, mm-hmm. even that little ground ball or fly ball mm-hmm. is a skill. Yeah. Especially because you know the pitcher is trying to get you or yeah. to prevent you from yeah, doing those things. Absolutely. So, so what do you think about the RBI and, and, and driving in runs? Uh, I mean, that's it's kind of my biggest thing when it comes to hitting like you got to score runs to, to win games so I mean I've always tried to take pride in yeah, driving runs score runs um, you know when get on base and try to find a way to, to get around for my teammates um, a lot of coaches talk to me just you don't have to do too much you know run around third less than less than two outs and mm-hmm. goes playing back like, you could just hit a ground ball and uh, over the years I've feel like I've kind of learned from my experiences mm-hmm. maybe I don't do too much but uh, I mean I just you know I really just try to do my best just try to get a base hit get a guy in and, and hopefully drive in as many rounds as possible definitely I think look I'm, I'm saying there's so many opportunities and everybody on the field knows that you're trying to do one or the other yeah. hit the ball in, in a place on the ground uh-huh. where you can get the run in yeah. or, or hit it to the outfield mm-hmm. And everybody's trying to prevent that, yeah. you know, especially the catcher. Uh-huh. You know, everybody focuses on the pitcher, but yeah. you know, a lot of the guys in Japan they they try to learn mm-hmm. about who's catching and yeah. what their philosophy is. Yeah, I mean, uh, we you know we talk about hitters meetings, just uh, pitcher catcher combinations of what they like to call and, and how they like to approach guys. Um, you try to take that information and so you can be as prepared as possible. You know? Now, what's it like having a veteran guy like Dallas Wheeler around as a as a what did he call himself a, a hitting advisor? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean it's, it's it's a great dude. He uh, you know you can tell that he you know, cares about us, and he, I mean just everybody in general. Um, we've got a little bit of time last year, um, kind of playing together, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I could tell like he's just very energetic, very passionate about the game. Um, and wants everybody to succeed. So, uh, you know, we, it is it is nice to kind of have somebody that especially speak English with and kind of just bounce ideas, approach kind of what we're thinking and um, just kind of have those, like, those hitting conversations. Um, you can, you know, talk to hitting coaches or other teammates and you know, have your translator, but it's kind of hard to mm. to kind of translate some of those thoughts. So it is kind of nice to have them uh, around, and uh, it's, it's, it's going to get help. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck, and thank you for the time. Oh today. yeah, no problem. All right. All right. So uh, yeah, Mr. Walker has taken some heat 
for his defense, particularly on, well, I don't know, whatever kind of social media platform you want to watch games from that's available. If it's YouTube, then in the comments section there, the <laughs> people are just unforgiving and relentless. And then on Twitter as well, if you're just seeing comments randomly here and there. But he's working on that aspect of his game as much as Zealous Wheeler is uh, staying ready for pinch hit duty. <laughs> so what uh, what caught you here there? Well, first of all, I want to thank you because uh, it's always uh, it's always a joy to hear uh, Zealous Wheeler talk, and you just get a feeling what a big you know we've we've talked to him over the years, and what a big hearted guy he is. And so when when uh, Adam. Uh, spoke about him that really came through. I thought that's really the guy we know. Mm. And his approach is a very American approach to coaching, which is it's your job to figure out what you want to do. It's my job to help you do what you're trying to do. Mm. Sure. Uh, whereas the Japanese approach and J J Japan's approach, uh, despite you know what what my good friend Robert Whiting says is is changing uh, gradually in that direction from this is how we play baseball in japan and i you know the old school says you're built like this so you have to play like that mm -hmm. uh, if you're skinny you know if you're a left-handed hitting a short left-handed hitter who's fast you have to play uh, second short or center field and hit the ball on the ground between third and short Mm -hmm. and that's your job and bunt so and if if you happen to be anything other if you if you go outside of those pigeonholes then we have to hammer you back into into order <laughs> so that is that's the old style but it's really it doesn't really fly anymore mm. although you know, the problem is of course uh, it's coming up at youth ball but that's uh but at the pro level it's more and more about what you need to do as an individual with your body type and your thinking and your goals, because you're the one, as, as Zealous said, and I think very wisely, they're the ones who got to get it done. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was, you know, that encapsulates a lot of things. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed that. And it was just great uh, to catch up with Zealous and, uh, a thousand percent. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's I think he might be leaving notes on Tatsunari Hara's desk. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Just in case. Put me in coach. <laughs> That's right. I'm ready to play today. Center field. <laughs> well, maybe not center field, but yeah, you know, whatever. The, yeah. You know the you drill. Not of the middle, but anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I did. I enjoyed that. I, a couple of phrases. It's hard and you need help. And I think that's the other side of the equation is you can't be, you know, you've got people who are there to help you. If you, if you play for the Yomiuri Giants, you've got a whole army of people who are there to help you. Mm -hmm. uh, and then sometimes it's the reverse, but uh, a whole army there to, to destroy you. <laughs> no, but you know, as we, you know, we heard from like Warren it, yeah. Cromarty that, you know, his, his job was essentially to be the, the gatekeeper to Cosmo Komodo one year. Right, right. Warren Cromartie, yeah. So that was interesting, and I, I just love him. So I'm, I'm, I'm so eager to to actually sit and have a chat with him um, if I can get within shouting distance. 
So uh, that was interesting. And Adam Walker, of course, I, uh, one of our listeners and, and uh, one of my blog subscribers uh, works for the Milwaukee Brewers. Mm. He was a huge fan of Adam Walker's. Ah. And he kept saying, you know, I'm, I'm so happy with what he's doing there. I'm so happy with what he's doing. And he was telling me this and he was doing that and doing that. But I certainly get 100% where, you know, being the two-time American Association MVP with the Milwaukee Milkmen is, 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 is such a question mark in a sure. person's career. Sure. And it's always a question for me. And, and he's, he's, although coming from independent ball, he's not the prototypical Japan import, which mm-hmm. I credit the giants with looking beyond the, you know, the norm. Sure. sure. Which is something they didn't used to do. So credit for them for that. They do have they they do have some really really smart people working for them, um, and sometimes that shows. Some it doesn't always, but sometimes it shows. So uh, I also and I I think for him is the big thing was reps, and I think that was that was the key. Of course, last year, as you mentioned, uh, he got a lot of nasty comments. Well, pretty much even in the mainstream media, he was getting people saying, you know, he was getting former giants were saying it's a dis, you know, it's like uh, he's was disgracing the giants uniform mm-hmm. with his play in left field. And I'm going, that's awfully harsh considering he is trying and 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 he did work to get better. And I know that a former one former giant was when he was on the farm uh, or at uh, Giant Stadium in Kawasaki, uh, was working with him quite a lot. I know that because when he made a good play a few weeks later, that guy got all the credit. <laughs> because in t- typical in Giants land, right? It is indeed. Yes. Uh, but I, I don't remember who the coach was. I wish I did know. It might have, it was a, I don't know if it was a, I think it was a former giant who's now an analyst and it might've been Koichi Ogata or might not have, but I don't know. Okay. But anyway, it was, uh, uh, yeah, getting in the reps and, and getting to play here. And obviously it's gotta be fun. And I think when I was listening to him and the last thing I have to say about it is when I was listening to him, uh, it reminds me of how thankful I am that there is more baseball than uh, the quote unquote the major leagues, mm. which is, as you know, as I think is so asinine as to be arrogant and unacceptable because, you know, these guys get out, they, they work all their lives to, to get to the quote unquote the major leagues only to find out that there are major leagues elsewhere, that there is superb baseball elsewhere on the planet. Sure. And it's almost like these guys seems for some of them seems like their baseball lives are over and then mm-hmm. they, they in a sense they die and go to heaven because they come to japan and they're going well okay this is what i was missing sure or and, why wasn't i here before yeah, or, and, yeah, or where have or, you been all my life <laughs> yeah exactly it's like how come people don't see this and of course you and i spend our lives <laughs> saying why don't people see this that this is really good baseball and this is really hard and these people really care and the fans really care so i i was listening to him talk and uh that was uh 
I was getting emotional about that. So mm. I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm so appreciative of somebody who comes to Japan and, you know, and sees it for what it is. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, with with Zealous, since uh, I played his interview first, you usually he's a guy for whom you need to prepare at least 20 questions or the talk is over <laughs> in two minutes. <laughs> normally, normally. And I, I was at the dome. I had, like I said, I sent him an email, said, Zealous, I want to talk to you on 614, but I got no reply. And then it was funny, too, because I had seen him couple weeks before that and i said hey is this your email address because i keep sending emails to you once in a while and i get nothing back and he said yeah yeah that's right and so i said okay i'm gonna i'm gonna come on june 14th i'm gonna come early what time should i come uh all i need is about 10 minutes and and he completely forgot not only that i sent him a reminder the day before and he he didn't reply to that and then when i was at the dome he's like oh that was today and you know i mean <laughs> it's like who, he's got who me does on that, block. who does that remind you of <laughs> lots of people <laughs> okay <laughs> lots not of just people, me. Yeah. Not, not just, just you. me but i i love the you know the response to the last question because it's so honest you know a thousand percent it's so honest it's so zealous you know mm. he can barely let me complete the question before he's chiming in and um you know i think we learned two things in this is that he's helping act as that maybe mental support system that we talked about with dna that DNA has addressed with that with its sports psychologist, and that's good. But, but the funny thing is to hear that he doesn't get an interpreter. Now he says, and I and I believe this too that he he knows most of the players because he has spent two years playing in the Giants organization a mm. lot on both the top team and the farm. So he knows the farm guys as well as the, I mean they know the faces. They know him for sure. I just don't know if he can communicate everything and if they can understand everything, but at least they know he's there. And if they have something they need to talk about with him, he can get an interpreter at a later time and they can go over it. So I'm sure the whole system is in place. I think that and also so often the things are actually quite simple com concepts. Probably. Uh, that can be demonstrated and it reminds me uh there's a the the the, di the digression here is really quick is it reminds me of hisanobu watanabe mm -hmm. when he went to taiwan when he thought his when his career was over in japan uh he was done he went to taiwan and he was coaching and because he didn't have an interpreter and he couldn't speak chinese yet now he can speak Chinese, but he couldn't speak Mandarin at the time. And so he had to demonstrate. And the manager said, well, look, this is like, you're our best pitcher. Get over here. Get rid of that coach's number. And he was MVP in Chinese, China Professional Baseball League. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, sometimes doing is, yeah, I, I, I can see Zealous demonstrating a lot. And sure. he said, and he does carry the bat. And I think that's that's how he talks softly and carry a. 36 ounce back yeah uh, the, the the concepts might be simple but i think that yeah. you know the meat is in the details in that situation because he needs to i mean if it were that simple the player would be able to understand it and play be able to deal with it without going to him as a coach or whatever he whatever role he's playing in, in, in some of these situations and again i'm talking about him his relationship and his communication with the Japanese players, because obviously mm, correct. with the foreign players, he's not going to have too much trouble. Correct. 
So, uh, and he can demonstrate little things, but I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if he is in a, in that support role, that he's going to have to get into a little bit more detail. It's going to require some deep thought and some explanation to go with it. But I mean, there's there's a time and a place for that. I think, and I think him being in that that support system is going to be good. So, and the one thing I did talk to Louis Okoye, and I hadn't seen him. So I think it had been four or five years because I saw him first at Cebu Dome, whatever name it was called at the time. And uh, I talked to him in Japanese and I said, hey, well, you know, study your English so we can do a podcast interview because I want to do a podcast interview and get you on the show and blah, blah, blah. So I saw him as well on the 14th and he said, oh, yeah, I've been talking to Zealous Wheeler a lot. He's been helping me with my English. And we had a like, I don't know, three or four minute conversation. And and this time it was in English. Cool. And uh, yeah, he, he has improved a lot. So um, and he said Zealous has been helping him and that's awesome. So uh, and I bet Zealous has been helping him a lot in his approach. And that's how he got off to a better start. And you know, apparently uh, Okoya was thinking about quitting as well. This uh, rule five draft type uh, system got that got him to the Giants uh, really has turned him around and a new lease on on his career here. So that's uh, that that's an improvement for him and a boost, I think, in his career. And, and we know he needs that. So that was fun. Um, now, we did hear Adam talking about Zealous being there and his impact on the team and I was able to do a story based on the interview that I did with Adam and that ran this past week in the Japan news cool. and got a lot of activity on Twitter for some reason. I I really don't even know. I mean, I've written better stories in terms of deeper subject matter and some other things, but uh, this one got a lot of play and, and he was at a crossroads saying that he was on the verge of walking away from the game. And so I wrote the story based on that and, that just seems like a story that you you hear or you see on TV, but the guy goes on to be like a, a an all not just an all star but an MVP. So I'm hoping that Adam can have a really good second half of the season and push that story and make it even better because uh, it's certainly worth a book <laughs> if he can get there. That 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 was the the big takeaway from him. And like I said, he's just a sweetheart of a guy. Like I said, I, I prepared a bunch of questions for Zealous and he actually spent more time, you know, saying what he felt instead of yes or no this time <laughs> that Adam came out to do the interview and I was still talking to Zealous and I'm putting up one finger. Just give me one minute because I'm sure Zealous is going to be done. <laughs> and Zealous kept talking and it, it was fun. It was fun talking to those two guys that day. And we really appreciate it and hope to talk to him again, as well as. Mr. Rui Okoya, I hope we can do an interview with him and, and hear more about his story because uh, it's probably going to be similar if he was really that close to walking away. So, all right, let's make a Ford seam transition. And, you know, I brought this topic up, I think, before the season started. And then mm. I think we brought it up on the show briefly early on because we noticed that the pace had picked up in Japan. But the, the notion of a pitch clock, for next season in Japan, I guess it's kind of real. And I did see on NHK the day that we decided to put this topic into the show, the next morning on NHK, they had a little segment about it when uh, it was in the morning. So I was at the gym, I was on the treadmill. Uh, On the treadmills, there's a couple of them that have earphones and the other ones really don't. So you have to just read the subtitles as they go by. 
And so uh, that's what I did. And um, before the subtitles disappeared, I was able to look at the or read about the interview that they did with Kodai Senga of the Mets, now of the Mets, formerly of SoftBank. And he said it was just one of the many adjustments he has had to make since moving over to the major leagues. They talked to Shohei Otani, of course, uh, and he had gotten penalized as both a hitter and a pitcher by the pitch clock early on. And so he said he just had to fully understand the nuances of the rules. And uh, they talked to the weekend baseball warriors from the general public here in Japan as well. And I didn't notice, but in I guess you would equate it to club baseball on the weekends. There's a pitch clock already in play for those guys. It's 20 seconds, regardless, runner or not. You've got 20 seconds to throw. And so one of the guys they interviewed said, well, I was kind of worried about this whole pitch clock situation. I thought I was going to get gassed early. I also was worried about injury. And of course, that's the thing with the, the weekend warrior type person. There's no trainer, there's no doctor, unless you are a doctor <laughs> yourself, or you play with one, or you play one on TV, which few of us do, uh, or on a podcast. Into, into, into adults playing doctor. Okay. Hashtag hi. Nor when we go into kids playing doctor. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Correct. <laughs> Family show. Yes. Uh, the, this guy was worried about getting injured and how to deal with the injuries and, and if he had a serious injury and if he was going to. So uh, it was interesting stuff. But uh, mm. what what did you want to talk about in terms of the pitch clock and, and how close are we to having it instituted next season? That's a good question. And uh, I'm well, there's two parts to the rule. One part is it, there's the timer and it's actually called the pitch timer. Mm. Uh, and the penalties are violation pitch timer violation and so part of it is how long you have to throw to home plate and when when the batter has to be ready for the pitch and alert to the pitch so if the batter isn't ready and so in, in some number of seconds uh, in alert for the pitch he can be fine he can have a strike called him on him and if the pitcher does not deliver the pitch is not in motion toward the plate within said number of seconds. Um, he can a ball will be charged on on him. And the other one is uh, the other part of that equation is disengagements. How how many times the pitcher can move off the mound? Sure. Either either to stretch his legs or do <laughs> his jumping jacks like Daisuke Matsuzaka would do, or or throw. Uh, just step off the rubber or make a pickoff throw. So mm -hmm. I think you're limited to three. And on the third one, you have to, if you're disengaging from the mound and there's a runner on base and the third time is the one where if you don't retire the runner, a balk is called. Mm -hmm. So no, I've long been in favor. I mean, for the last 20 or so years, I've been in favor of something that would reduce the inordinate number of boring pickoff throws. Okay, because without them, you have an opportunity for players, you know, players to steal more bases, which is fun. <laughs> players, you know, being athletic and running is is more fun than seeing uh, pitchers standing on the mound, glowering at first base and faking throws and throwing over. Um, or the step you know, off move or that stupid move that we used to see like it's seemingly a hundred times a week yeah the, the fake throw the fake to third, throw to and third and the throw they to try third, to get the man. yeah there was only one pitcher in mlb who was ever any good at that 
And for some reason, he would throw he'd throw two or three guys out a year doing the same thing he was doing like five years in a row, and <laughs> nobody else could do it. I think it was Steve Stone. Oh, uh, I think he's uh, with the White Sox in the booth, when he was the with the White Sox, Sox. Correct, I believe that was him. But uh, you know, those all those those little things are things. They're little details, and Japan Japanese baseball lives for the details. It's a um, Japan underwent a transformation in the 1970s and 80s that that matched the quality control, mm. the quality control mania that swept through Japanese industry in the from the early 70s to the late 80s, and people were determined that they were going to erase all. Japan's baseball miracle was going to be built on quality control. So they were going to say who, you know, how, as I said before, you know, what batters should, what batters who are built like this should swing like, what pitchers who are built like this should pitch like. Uh, Position demographics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, things like, like pitchers batting eighth or seventh or whatever it used to be pretty common in the 60s and 70s. Uh, 60s and early 70s, but by the late 70s, it just completely was wiped off the map by this Nazification of baseball. You know, we're going to eliminate any kind of things that smack of difference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they used to have all every in the 60s Japanese baseball. If you watch uh, old movies and, and videos, every batter had a had a peculiarly unique style and they erased as much of that as they could. They were going to homogenize the game and perfect it by making sanitize everything, it. Everything, yeah. yeah, sanitize it from all this variety. <laughs> and so the the pitch, you know, pickoff moves were sort of like part of that. You know, let's throw as many pickoff throws as possible because it's a way we can be better than everybody else. So let's have um waste time because it doesn't matter to the game. Uh, so anyway, so that was a, an outcropping of that. It just made the game slow and boring from my, yeah. from my point of view, but in Japan, it's always high tactics, you know, it's high drama. Yeah. So, and nonsense. I used to tell, yeah, I used to so, tell people they're like, oh, well, if I was going out to cover a game and I was going to file a story and, you know, this is back in the, back in the good old days. When we, when we, we, we reported. Right. And and especially if I was going someplace downtown and wanted to go out with some meet some friends afterward, they, they would always ask, well, what time are you going to be done? And I'm like, well, if the game ends on time, I'm going to be done at deadline time, which never changes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a fixed time. If I miss that first deadline, then I have to, you know, I can file for the next one, but I can file my story at any time uh, once I get it done, if I'm after that deadline, whatever. But I always told them, but, you know, in Japan, the games are a three and a half hour commitment, first of all. I mean, just plan for three and a half hours. And if you get a faster game, you're lucky. If you don't, well, that's typical. That's par for the course. So then I think it was in the aughts at some point they had this movement or this this um, thing called showtime, which is show meaning uh, faster. And they uh, were trying short, to play fast. Short and reduced. Reduced. And so they were trying to. They were trying to shorten game times and they really made an effort. And I noticed at that time that they were the last out of the of a half an inning that they the players all ran off the field. They hustled. Right. And by they the time that 
that, they, that they next started pitch, having a clock. Right? Yeah, that next pitch was was really fast from the last pitch of one in, half inning to the sure. first pitch of the next. And they've done a really good job of that. But until I always said, until they get into the mind of a pitcher and and figure out a way to tell him that it's okay to throw the ball over the plate and not take every count to three and two <laughs> because of his willingness to throw the ball outside the zone, the games are still going to be the same basic length of time because that's the problem. We've got too many guys who are willing and willing to, and eager to nibble <laughs> and not throw strikes if they don't have to. And so part of it was the way the game has been played. But I noticed early on this season, it seemed like these players had gotten the message that, hey, you know, let's not massage the ball like we want to propose to it one day. Let's not stand around in the in the batter's box. <laughs> you should see Jim's face and and meander around after a pitch that you think you should have hit uh, and you didn't. You fouled it back. Let's, you know, stay focused, stay engaged, as you like to say, disengagement. They have that rule and uh, get you get some of these uh, at bats over faster. And it seems like the players have a have an inkling that next year or sometime soon this rule is going to be here. And so they're trying to get used to it or make that adaptation as quickly as possible. And that's yeah, what I I've been sensing because the games I, have been generally fast. I think you, you might be right about that. And I also think that the pitching coaches are watching the MLB games and saying, you know, I think, well, of course they're watching Shohei Otani. Games. Yeah, everybody's watching Shohei. May because I just that's say, the one that's on TV. So Yeah, may I just say with him, Oh my goodness. Where's the peak? <laughs> Where's the peak with Otani? I mean, he's 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 going crazy. It's unbelievable. But anyway, keep going. Yes, I'm sorry to interrupt. Okay, so they're watching Otani games and you know and he's and they're watching how he adjusted to the clock and how the other pitchers are adjusting to the clock and and I think they've got an idea that you know if we can I think the pitching coaches really like it. The pitching coaches are saying, you know, this is going to help you get into a rhythm because it's going to eliminate all the nonsense that human beings not wanting to do, not wanting to make a mistake can fall prey to, <laughs> you know, that procrastination uh, gene of which actually I have a double dose. So, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got it. I got double from my dad. Oh, you must, I was going to say, <laughs> maybe you got it from me, but yeah, it's a gene. No, so, no, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> no, cannot, no, no. I mean, yeah. some of it may be learned, perhaps. Yeah. Well, uh, but in, in any case, so there's that. And then the other thing is that, you know, Japan may fight the disengagement rule, but I think that's that's important, but they may not like it. And they may make modifications to it, but I think the pitching coaches will be for it, but the old timers will, of course, scream and holler, just like, you mean, you know, like they did in MLB with the uh, enforcing the 100-year-old obstruction rule. That's not the baseball I know. We used to be able to crack people's head at home plate to score a run. That's the baseball I grew up in. We'd all end up in the hospital and we were happy for it. <laughs> you know, that kind of that kind of nonsense. Or, you know, Bob Gibson would would be ejected from every game in Japan. He could never pitch me. You know, like he'd be objected for throwing close to batters. And like, no, he's an intelligent human being. He's a good athlete. He would adjust. That's the thing. Everybody forgets. It's not how the game is. It's not the game is what the game wants to be. 
mm-hmm. how the game evolves and people can make the rules. And for many, for almost a century, uh, MLB had said somehow that um, the baseball rules came down with Moses from Mount Sinai. <laughs> and they were, they were on stone tablets on Park Avenue. And oh, so we're not allowed to change them. But that oh, was God. the attitude. We can't change the rules. You know, it's like, you See, know, our it game... says it right here. <laughs> it's no, written it in was... stone. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the attitude was, was we can't change baseball rules. The game has to be the same as it was played, you know, in in the Sinai Desert. Abner. You know, we can't change it. And then <laughs> and then with the with the uh clarifying the you know the hundred year old rules so that people would understand it was a rule, even though it said it is a rule, <laughs> even though it explained catchers can't be on the baseline without the ball. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, no, it's not how we played baseball. So anyway, so they they do believe now, like other sports, that you can modify the rules to keep the game the same. You know, they've based basketball has changed numerous ways that the NFL is changing football. Um, the other football, the non-American football uh, is changing all the time. All uh, rugby is changing all the time. Every sport changes to try to keep the essence of the game the same. Yep. And now baseball is doing that too. So I credit that. And I think Japan is also getting in that too. So I would love to see it. I'd like to see not just the games faster, but just, um, you know, just less wasted time. And right. And, and, and your comment to directly respond to your comment, if anyone reads the interview with uh, Pit- Swallows pitching coach Tomohito Ito, you will see exactly what John is talking about, you know. Uh, his point was we have to teach the pitchers not to be afraid of giving up hits because the old school in Japan said, if you give up a hit, the coaches are going to shout at you. (laughs) So your job to go on the mound is of course to get outs, but it's not to make mistakes. It's okay to get, it's okay to give up runs as long as you don't make mistakes. And so that was, that was uh, uh, Bass Ackward's. Yeah, and uh, so I, John is, I think, right on that, and I think the pitching coaches will all be in favor, and the talking heads will all go ballistic, which which could be really fun. Yeah, well, I was thinking too too, the other day. I mean, this really is something that's going to be on the in the or part of the MPB landscape, and and Mm. like I said, it could be as soon as next year. But uh, as much as I don't like the three batter rule, I like this one. But I can see the announcers because it's going to change their rhythm the color commentators it's going to change their rhythm when they're doing the games uh the cheer groups are going to have to write shorter songs or faster songs or play faster because there's not going to be as much time uh between pitches uh, ostensibly and then everybody's going to have to make adjustments not just the players and that's why we're going to get complaints because it actually does impact these old farts you're talking about sure it does (laughs) but you know that's the thing um games used to be quicker and the people who did the cheers adjusted but they adjust to take up more space every everybody adjusts if you get you know if you if you move into a larger apartment you doesn't you don't suddenly have more you don't have much more space for very long (laughs) Because you fill it up. You fill it up. <laughs> but they will learn. They will adjust just like the pitchers and hitters have adjusted in MLB. They're, they, are, they are essentially professional cheers. They will adjust as well. Everybody will adjust. The game will be fine. 
And my la last comment, though, is I, I always thought the comical thing about the Showtime campaign was the green posters in every mm -hmm. dugout that said, we are play fasters. And I, they were green posters, and I always thought they were advertisements for amphetamines. <laughs> the greenies, the, the pills that MLB teams used to hand out in little in little in the candy 70s, right? dishes before yeah. the game, according to you know. <laughs> well, we are play fasters. Yeah, <laughs> have some of these, have some of these play fasters, dude. All right. Well, even if I had a comment, I just, I, you know, you, you know when not to go on stage. So we'll leave it there and I will <laughs> make a two scene transition. And um, no, no, no extra chemicals were used in this discussion. I'm sure that's what you tell everybody. Uh, it is. <laughs> uh, make a two scene transition and, and have our rocking with Roki segment. So Roki Sasaki, he pitched on this past Tuesday and you know, you surmised that he would stay on Sunday assignments. And I said, nah, I hope he, he would move. And he did. They slid him in a different slot. And Tuesday is great, except that it's so long ago now. It's like almost forgotten because we've had so much ac action since then. But they played on Tuesday at uh, Kyocera Dome. 2-1 was the final against the Oryx. And the Lotte Marines lost this game. But what a fun game. Uh, mm. And it was just such a contrast in pitching. Here he got Roki topping out at 160 kilometers per hour while Mr. Hiroya Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi, was was using curves as, as slow as 99 kph and, and the occasional pinpoint fastball to get guys out here and there. Uh, Miyagi went eight innings and struck out eight and, and didn't allow a run. And Roki made two errors and and he pitched around that but he went seven innings had 10 strikeouts and a walk uh didn't really give up that much but he didn't look great to me the fork was off again early i don't know how much of this game you saw he started going to that that darvish slider i'm going to call it the, mm -hmm. the u slider and mm -hmm. um he mixed that in a little bit because he was just having so much trouble with the off-speed things with his off-speed pitches or his secondary pitches and it didn't seem like he was able to put to pinpoint that fastball to put it in areas where it was going to buzz the strike zone or he just couldn't point pinpoint. He couldn't get it exactly where he wanted to. It seemed like he had control. So he looked like he was struggling most of the night to me uh, and and got through that seven innings. He still struck out 10 guys. <laughs> so He did OK. But uh, what did you see? Uh, he was missing. Uh, actually, I thought the fastball was OK. Well, the, uh, I mean, the velocity is always okay, but I don't think yeah, he the was velocity it... is never his problem. His yeah, problem with he... his fast, the problem with the fastball is one problem is his location, but his location has been better this year. So I'm up with that. Uh, his fastball was not as good as it had been for a couple of weeks in terms of the kind of spin he gets on it. So he was missing with that. He was throwing some straight fastballs and those were getting hit. Somebody said, and I think, I, I criticized it at the time, and I, I probably shouldn't have, but basically uh, because he throws a straight fastball so often, mm -hmm. and when he's not, when he can't, if he can throw his splitter sort of belt high and just let it drop, if he can throw that in the strike zone belt high and then throw fastballs, you know, nobody's going to touch him. Right. <laughs> because they can't sit on the fastball when he's throwing the splitter for strikes. But 
because he couldn't throw the splitter for strikes. Everybody was just looking fastball and he'd throw a flat one and they'd smack it. And then he gave up a couple of, you know, he gave up a fluke hit and he gave up a couple of hard hits and that was it. And it well, he was, he was pretty good. He wasn't great, but you know, it shows, of course, if you're fast, you can get by with a lot. You have a lot of room margin for error, mm-hmm. but you know, he needs, he needs two pitches to be successful. And actually somebody on the, on the, the, the analyst said, you know, if he if his splitter is working, he doesn't need anything except the splitter in the fastball, yeah. provided the fastball is not always straight. Well, he, yeah, he needs them both to be able to control them. He doesn't just need them. Yeah. No, correct. But the splitter's always been sort of a a hit and miss, miss. control <laughs> in terms of his con- command of it. Uh, the sweep the sweeper was good for a little while when he was starting it out, but uh, I still think. He, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about it, but I, yeah, you know, he's had these, he's had these remarkably good innings um, in the last month or so. But again, it, it, it depends on like every, every other pitcher in NPB, he's got, he's got quality stuff and it's basically a matter of how much command and consistency he has on a yeah. given day. And because of his speed, he doesn't need as, he doesn't need as much, as much of the other things as everybody else does. Right. And as I said before, it just seems like the team, the same uh, Masahiro Tanaka kind of uh, luck that he is having is the team gets him off the hook. And he was on the hook for a loss in this game, but somehow the Marines scrambled up a run to tie the score off the off the person who was closing that night, not the hard-throwing Soichiro Yamazaki, but uh, Yoshihisa Hirano, and they got a run off of him. But eventually, neither pitcher figured in the, or neither starting pitcher figured in the score in the uh, decision because Tomoyo Mori won it with a uh, uh, walk off home run that night, and he got he got tweaked the leg today when he was running the bases. I hope he's going to be yeah. okay. Supposedly, yeah. it was a I forget which one of his calf muscles. Yeah, he overran. He went he went three for three with a walk. So it's yeah. like he's having a really good day, and then as he's running uh, rounding second base on a single hit by one of his teammates he yeah. overran the base and then he had to stop suddenly and try to get back and he had to just sort of limp to second base and as soon as he got there he just fell over yeah yeah he was and they hurt. carted him off the field so i hope he is well because he's uh you know even even with yuma tongu to, to, uh, yuma tongu's uh, great season mori's still their big hitter yeah, we'll, we'll get to Tongu in a second. And then another guy who was uh, hurt today on the bases, I believe, was uh, Masayuki Kuahara of DNA. He was so injured that uh, he started to try to steal second and stopped and, and then couldn't even get back to first base. And it was the weirdest play I've seen in baseball. Uh, I don't know how this out is going to be recorded because I think it was a caught stealing, essentially, just trying to steal. Mm. And the Dragons catcher realized he was going to steal and uh, uh, realized he had stopped. Kota Ichibashi of the Dragons was the catcher and he stopped, held the ball. Somehow he held on the ball. A lot of times when the catchers do that, they slam the ball into the turf in front of him. But he held on to the ball. But then he ran out. He tagged Kuahara out in between first and second because Kuahara couldn't even walk back to the bag. Mm. And so that's a caught stealing, but it's caught stealing too. <laughs> it's how you'd have to put the put out, right? Mm. 
so really or maybe one to two i don't even know uh but uh very interesting that is uh, a rare put out indeed on a caught stealing anyway um let's go to the top players so make a one scene transition and talk about the top performance of june and well, uh why don't you go first this year this month this year this month well you know my process i've talked to talked to you guys about it so i said wow who really tore it up during interleague play and everybody knows it was uh there were two guys shugomaki of dna and kazuma okamoto of the giants and i'm like okay which one of those two guys is it going to be <laughs> and then i popped open the numbers and i saw shogo sakakura of the <laughs> carb had a better ops <laughs> and uh it's 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 gonna be a real <laughs> i don't know I, I can't pick i guess I would pick Okamoto. He had seven home runs. He had 19 RBIs. He had the OPS of uh, 1143, and he hit 319. I guess he gets it, but um, Sakakura, you know, his OPS was a little bit higher. Just didn't have the other numbers. So um, I'm, I'm going to say Okamoto because he's popular and he's a giant. Uh, you know, I'm I would pick Okamoto, and that, that's my that's my objective. Well, my my subjective view of the objective numbers, <laughs> uh, because you know what I see with Sakakura. Yeah, he's got a big batting average, but they if you look at the things that they did, Okamoto did so much more. The big difference is that uh, Sakakura got more balls in play to become singles. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he, he that was essentially yeah. that was essentially the difference between these two guys. And if you if you realize that you know that's not a reliable uh the thing that is more reliable is, you know, how often do you put the ball in play and there's really no difference between the two and how often do you draw walks and there's really no difference between the two. But then you look at the the extra base hits and you go, "Wow, Okamoto, you know, when he hit the ball, he really hit it. It stayed hit more." <laughs> <laughs> so my inclination is not to go with the OPS in this respect, but just to to downgrade the the BABIP, the base the the batting average on balls in play that shot Sakakura to the top, mm -hmm. and uh, and go with Okam Kazuma Okamoto. Yeah, but the three ninety, you know, guy, they apparently they love those batting averages. They so, do. They so. do. They do. I don't think they but, look at OPS so much anyway, but yeah, that I think. Although I did true. see it in 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 some of the explanations last year. That has changed, right? Since they changed, uh, the sponsors went from the parent company, uh, Japan Life Insurance, to one of its uh, sub subsidiaries. Mm -hmm. They took whoever did it said, you know, I wonder if they said, "Hey guys, let's us do it." So they've got some people in that insurance company who I think who actually like baseball. Baseball, yeah, they know something about and it. And because now you see the descriptions and you see, you know, if he led the league in runs and he led the league in slugging average and on base percentage and all these things that used to be absent from the discussion. So yeah. I, I find less to argue with the selections in the last three years than I had in the, the previous seven. Okay. So uh and then for pitcher, I I, the guy who came to mind right away, mm. of course, we all laugh, is going to be Hiroto Takahashi of the of the Dragons. And he had the best DRA, so that was right on that part. But he only won a couple games. He didn't lose anything. Um, and he threw 29-plus innings. So I, I thought, well, you know, two wins, that's just not enough. So who had the most wins? Well, that was Trevor Bauer. 
of DNA, and he went four and zero, but his ERA is over two, which is great. It is two point zero eight. Two is not bad, but they do look at ERA now. It used but, to be, but yeah, six years ago, yeah, but it would have been automatic. Yeah, two point zero eight in June puts him eleventh on the ERA list. So that's not that's not high enough, I don't think, to get it, even though he went four and zero. So That's how do they question. value the wins? So I, yeah. I, I mean, they might make him. I mean, 2.08 is not a bad ERA, and you won four games. So I don't know. I, I thought about him. Um, I thought about Tatsuki Azuma of DNA. He mm-hmm. went 3-0 and with a 1.17 ERA, and but he didn't throw a lot of innings, only 23. So it's, it's going to be a fun exercise for the insurance company what was it japan life insurance no the i forget who does it now but it's same not it's a, it's a subsi- it's a subsidiary of okay. japan life insurance well it'll be a fun exercise but who who would you pick how's that i'll ask it that way yeah i i would was having a great difficulty uh, with this as well um i i really did like hiroto takahashi yeah <laughs> he pitched great he just doesn't have the wins but the tuberculosis the the, was also tuberculosis was also suitable was uh so who knows is that trevor bauer is that... it is tb <laughs> hashtag <laughs> I take that so uh yeah i i'm i'm gonna say takahashi doesn't get it because he doesn't have enough wins uh and if they have to give it to a dna pitcher i would assume azuma is going to get it because he has a better ERA by almost a run. So that's what I'm, I'm going to go with Ozma. Okay. All right. Uh, in the Pacific League, what about, you want to go first or you want me to sure. continue? Sure, I'll go Okay. Uh, really hard uh, with the hitters. I had two, well, actually, uh, I had two, and I can't really choose between Yuma Tongu or uh, Kensuke Kondo. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're virtually, for me, they're a toss-up. So either one, one, one had, you know, the slightly better slugging. One had the ad, but of course, Kondo is leading the league in in all the on base stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, the walks and on base percentage is is out of this world, and runs scored. So, I'm I'm I tend to like that more, but uh, I I can't deny the fact that Tongu is just uh, taking big swings and making solid contact. So. Go for that. Yeah, he hit 372, uh, had seven home runs as opposed to Konda. Konda had six home runs as soon as I started looking at the numbers between these guys because Konda was the guy uh, who came up second in my head. First was Tongu, who's having this fantastic breakout season for Oryx. And, mm. you know, 372, the seven home runs, uh, seven doubles, 12 RBIs, but Kondo, 342, he had six home runs, his OPS. The OPS is about the same. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 another difficult uh, choice, but I just think they're going to take the guy with the higher batting average, and I think Tongo's, Tongo is going to get it. That That's how it they're going to settle it. <laughs> and, but, and again, that's not a bad thing here. Uh, it's not a bad thing because they're essentially – they're essentially similar types. They're so in the case in the Central League, we've got although Sakakura is, is to me is one of my favorite players. He just didn't have that. He didn't have the 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 real oomph in his in his numbers in a lot of his numbers that make me that shout out to me. This is guy is is the guy who's putting the big wood on the ba- on the ball. Right. 
uh, whereas Tongu and 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 uh, and Kondo were not all that different, except one's got the walks and one's got the extra singles. Yeah, and three seventy two average for Tongu and three forty two for Kondo. So yeah, I just think they're going to go with the guy with the better batting average and call it a day. What about pitcher? Oh my gosh. <laughs> another, oh my gosh what are you gonna one. ask me that for i i i've got three guys and i'm i don't know which one i think it's going to come down to kohei arihara or sacha yamazaki so, yamasaki excuse yamasaki, me yeah uh although somebody could pick yoshin yoshin yamamoto just because they're stuck and he's always the f- first choice i mean because he's just when he's good he's so good mm. Uh, but Arihara was absolutely, I mean, he had three, he had three starts and he allowed three runs all on solo home runs this month. Uh, just, a, just, uh, I should say he had three wins. He didn't have three starts, he had three wins. So, but he was, he was just so good. And he was, uh, yeah. it, it looked like I'm back. <laughs> Happy to see me guys. <laughs> so, uh, and Yamasaki is kind of a one of those guys who seems like he's he's really good some of the time. He's been really good. He had a whole good month this year, which is a lot for him. Yes. <laughs> so maybe he's developing into the next Yuki Nishi where he'll be good for six weeks and then bad for six weeks. I don't know. Or maybe he has found out how to make adjustments consistently and how to get through lineups you know i mean yeah. sometimes the no. light goes on so no you're you're absolutely you're right on that it could be uh but no he has been he's gradually been been getting better and better and more consistent uh over the years instead of just t- trying to be his perfect self and and not having a chance when he wasn't mm-hmm. so he's looking more comfortable when he has a rough inning than he used to uh so yeah, it could be. I hope so. I hope that's where he's going because I just I just like that Oryx. I, well, for years I've liked that Oryx pitching staff so much. So, but it does that's irrelevant to this question. Um, I'm going to lean towards Arihara. Yeah. So the when the first name that came up in my head was Yoshinobu Yamamoto, and and uh, I I had forgotten that he had a a poor outing. It was not good. Uh, one in there, and that's when he lost. It wasn't like he lost one to nothing or anything. He got, he got, he gave up some runs, mm-hmm. but he won three games, and uh, ZRA was one point eight zero, and I think that's good enough. I don't think it's going to be Yamasaki because he didn't throw a lot of innings. I mean, he's, okay. he's close enough. He's twenty twenty six and uh, about twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yeah, twenty seven innings he threw, sort of, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 2.33 ERA, but he was 4-0. But uh, he was most of the time at the end of the games just in the dugout praying with the rest of his teammates, not really out there making a difference. So maybe so they won't a, credit him. There's a spiritual factor in there. Oh, yeah. It must be for him. I mean, it should be for most of these guys. <laughs> a lot of times they're praying. They just don't tell us. Oh, I would, you know, when they always ask the, the starting pitcher when he was uh, watching the end of the game from the dugout and they say, you know, what was going through your mind in that ninth inning when the opponent got two runners on and they the, the pitchers, I guess it's obligatory that they say, well, I'm very confident in our 
pitching staff, we've got a great number of pitchers out there. I knew they'd get the outs, but you know, inside they're like, come on, dude. Give yeah, me he's trying w, to cover man. up the spot where he pulled the hair off the top of his head. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Yamamoto. Okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if Sachia Yamasaki gets it. Okay. All right. Let's go to fielding questions. All right, so our, our buddy Pete from the Kansai area. Yeah, Pete, thank yeah, you. Yeah, hit us up on Facebook Messenger, and he liked. He's obviously a, a Tigers fan, and uh, he liked to talk about the fact that the fans voted in Tigers at every position for the All Star game. I never vote for this All Star team because of this Hanshin madness. I'm a huge fan, and hopefully Ukyo Maegawa and Shota Morishita will earn spots in a couple of years. Koji Chikamoto is the only Tiger I'd pencil in for a game one start. Yusuke Oyama and Takumu Nakano should probably get to play. I'm fine with any of Hanshin's starters who have stepped up. Shoki, Murakami, Kotaro, Otake have definitely earned it. But it shouldn't be a popularity contest, but a chance to showcase the best of the best. And I saw a stat showing Hanshin's average home attendance would be number two behind the Yankees in MLB. Didn't fact check it though. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm I'm with you, Pete. I, I I agreed to a point. I think it is a popularity contest, actually, because that's what it is. That's what it ends up being with the fans. But it should be more of a merit-based situation. It just sometimes, you know, I was talking to the gym before we started recording, and if you if you look at who votes and i i don't because we don't get the numbers uh we don't get a demographic uh breakdown mm. of all the voters but i think voting for all-stars is kind of a young person's thing like for kids all the way up mm. until you're about 45 and you realize you know do i really need to be doing this i had better things to do with my time so <laughs> i don't think i think we just kind of you know stop voting when we get older Mm, that's just be. my opinion. I, I, I'm, you know, I. That's what I felt from myself as well. Uh, when I was a kid, I was always enthusiastic about picking, you know, my Dodger infield to start every All Star game in the '70s. Um, of course, those guys didn't change very much, so it was easy to remember. Mm. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, 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 it's, it's, it's also a position problem in the Central League. I think that, that there's some guys who probably deserve to be on the All Star game because uh, in the All Star game, one of them because of the way they're performing. But there are other guys who, who, who don't, <laughs> but they're going to play anyway. <laughs> so why not make it a bunch of Tigers? Because they're playing well at least as a team. What do you think, Jim? I don't really. I mean, as I said last week, if they wanted to make it a really good ballot to reflect, you know, to sort of balance the whole baseball public and, and get a balanced approach to who should be on the team from the fans. They could, but they don't. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I, I, I wrote about this and I don't know if I said it on the podcast uh, that the main thing holding back, uh, basically they have a system and as far as they're concerned, it works. <laughs> so they have no interest in changing it. So it's it's analogous to I think NPB, I think Japanese professional baseball has it could if it wanted to be could be because of the the nature, the lack of competition from other sports in Japan mm -hmm. and the huge 
love for baseball in this in this country mm-hmm. that is un it's unsurpassed in the world you know it, it's it'll be equaled in cuba and the dominican republic but it's not surpassed anywhere uh, and the infrastructure and the education system and the expense the disposable income and capital uh there's no reason why uh, there's the Japan couldn't be the absolute pinnacle of professional baseball in the world and leave MLB in its wake, except one thing. Japan's owners are happy with what they've got, which is an advertising system mm-hmm. where the teams generate advertising, ben- the benefits of advertising and tax write-offs. And because that's what they got into baseball for, that they get them. And Don Nomura said to me once at the winter meetings, and I don't remember which winter meetings, but he said, don't don't overlook the value that the parent companies make, because we were arguing about this. You know, teams can't afford to play in these stadiums that cost them all their profits. And I'm talking to you, Chinichi Dragons and Yakult Swallows, Mm. even (laughs) Yomiri Giants. Um, And he said, don't overlook the fact that they're getting what they want, which is advertising. Uh, the benefits of advertising for the parent companies. And because they're getting that, they have no desire to spend money to make vastly more money and to have absolutely, you know, have players in America saying, you know, MLB, you know, NPB is where it's at. That's where we really want to play. And uh, they could do it if they wanted, but they don't want to. And my thinking of the all-star ballot, if they wanted a good ballot, if they cared, they could do it. They don't care. They're happy. It's broken, but it works exactly the way they want it to work. Right. So, um, sorry for the diatribe. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, you are. Sure, you are. Um, okay, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 okay, let's let's yeah. have let's be let's have absolute candor here. I'm not sorry. Yeah, for you, the diatribe. you have your heart in that, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I mean, I looked. I did this whole breakdown. I was looking at some of the positions. I was looking at guys like uh, Toshiro Miyazaki. He should be in over anybody at Hanshin, and it wouldn't matter what position. Uh, Kazuma Okamoto. He should be in the All Star game and over anybody at at Hanshin. It wouldn't matter what position. In my mind, you know, there are guys like Akisato who just hasn't had that. I mean, he's had some moments this season, but certainly not All Star worthy. But you know, I think the guy who's really surprising me and the guy who is right there with Ryosuke uh, Kikuchima, man of, of Hiroshima, is Takumu Nakano. And he's doing some things now that are reminding me of Takashi Toritani in the way that he's hard to get out at the plate and he's making plays in the field. And he does look like an all-star to me. He, you know, he's he's yeah. making the plays when you need them. He's making great plays to his right. I saw him run to his right all the way across second base and throw back. Uh, I think it's the first game in that giant series on Friday. Um, you know, I, I wasn't impressed early on and I was mad that Seiya Kinami got bounced out of the shortstop position for this guy. And then, uh, you know, now I'm seeing what Hanshin saw in him to make him the guy, you know, at, at, at least a starter. And then they moved him to second base and he hasn't missed a beat. And Kinami is out there now playing as well at shortstop so um there are some positions i, I mean sheldon noisy maybe no uh shoki murakami yes but i guess he's m- might be 
statistically maybe the top pitcher in the Central League. So that's fine. If somebody's got to start game two, you need another pitcher anyway. So uh, I, I'm looking at the Hanshin. I think maybe four of the guys deserve a start, and then you know let's put the other five positions. Let's let's get it right with the rest of them. So you're t- you're saying that the system is broken and i'm saying yeah that's probably why you and i don't usually get excited for the all-star game because <laughs> we well, can I see used it's to broken. be more excited for the all-star game before interleague to be yeah, honest you have said that before yeah and the other thing that got me unexcited about the all-star game was uh, talking to players at the all-star game and asking them what their goals were and what they were trying to you know accomplish there i want to swing as hard as i can i want to throw fastballs down the middle of the down the middle of the zone i want to show off i want to steal bases you know i'm going like that's not that's not baseball <laughs> that's demonst- you know that's a that's a skills contest and that's... so you know so let's replace let's replace the all-star game with skills contest like they do in south korea pretty much and that would be fine that would be fun too yeah all right, Pete, thanks so much for the comment. Absolutely. And yeah. Anything go like that? Anything? Go Tigers. Anything like that that can be a talking point, we really appreciate. And you can mm-hmm. hit us up at JBW Podcast on Twitter with the hashtag High Heat. Send your comments or questions via email to yakyujohn at gmail.com or do like Pete and go to the Facebook page and leave us a message there. Look for us on iTunes or Google Podcasts. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy your baseball. See you at the ballpark.